listening to a message from Red Church in Melbourne, Australia. If you'd like to know more about Red or its ministries, please go to redchurch.org.au. Um, if I haven't met you, my name is Mark, if you're joining us for the first time. And wherever you are on your faith journey, we just want to welcome you. Um, we know that we're getting lots of photos um, from all of our church who are meeting in different rooms, uh, fascinating people who are gathering around iPhones, people who've got the laptop out, other people like got it on the big screen, bunches of people squashed into houses. Remember to remain not too close to each other. Um, but it's just fantastic to see so many of you gathering in this new way, which has happened so quickly. And this is a time of unprecedented uh, change, of disruption, uh, where the world is, it's incredible, like the whole world is affected. I think that this is probably the biggest global event, probably since World War II, where sometimes we have big events, but they'll happen in one store, in one city or one country. Maybe we're watching that. But in terms of the globe being affected from tiny uh, Pacific Island nations who are currently closing their borders to huge countries like Russia, the United States, uh, dealing with this. This is being felt in countrysides and cities uh, all over the world as the world responds to this challenge. So many things are different. And I just want to really clearly say um, I'm not a medical expert. I'm trying to listen to who are the people who are wise to listen to it at a moment like this. But really, I think what the church's job uh, is actually to, at this moment, help us walk with God through this. And whilst some things change, some things don't, uh, I texted my brother who's watching at home with some people and said, how's it coming across? He texted back, your fly is undone. And um, I almost died, but luckily he was joking. Um, so there's an element where lots changing, but also we're the same people that we are. God has it here. Life is continuing uh, to go on. So in a sense, I'm holding these two things together, the journey that we have been on together through this Lent and then also the disruption. But I guess the question I want to ask is, what is God going to do through all of this? Romans tells us that God uses all things for good. And I believe that in the midst of this, despite the challenges, that God will use this moment for good. To do this, I want to uh, open the scriptures. And uh, if you have your scriptures there, I just want to encourage you, like, really fight the thing to just, I guess, fall back into, hey, I'm just watching this, like I'm watching something I've downloaded on Netflix or a football game. Let's be interactive. Let's open our Bibles. Even you may be watching this on your iPhone, grab the old paper Bible out. And what we're going to turn to is actually Hosea chapter 2. Uh, and we're going to just look at a couple of verses in there. Hosea chapter 2, we're going to begin at verse 14. Just to give you a little background before uh, we dive into this verse, which is also going to come up on the screen. This is a book in the uh, Hebrew Scriptures where a prophet called Hosea is asked to, in a sense, enact in his own marriage the challenge that God finds in trying to lead a disobedient people. And he's asked to marry a woman who is unfaithful to him, and he then is asked to, in a sense, win her back and be faithful to her despite her, her unfaithfulness to him. And what it is, it's a mirror for Israel's relationship to God when Israel was let, let God down. 
And so that's just the background. So let's read on, beginning at verse 14. Therefore, I am now going to allure her. I will lead her into the wilderness and will speak tenderly to her. There I will give her back her vineyards and will make the valley of Achor a door of hope. There shall we respond as in the days of her youth, as in the day she came up out of Egypt. Now, the last few weeks we've been preaching off our Lenten passages. And each day as a church, we've been working through our Lenten book. You can find them on our website if you're just joining us for the first time. But this passage is actually not part of our Lenten reading. But I felt the Lord push me towards this to preach on this today because in a sense it fits with the themes that we've been working through. Lent is a period where we walk with Jesus, remembering his death for us on the cross, where he gave his life that we may live. And so symbolically, we follow Jesus. The beginning of the Lenten period, we follow Jesus into the wilderness. And in the last couple of weeks, we've spoken and preached on that. We've looked at Jesus entering into the wilderness, a place of absence where Jesus denies himself by not eating. He's denied just of food, not just of food. He's also denied the usual social structures of which he would rely on. He's also denied the friendships and relationships, the familial ties that actually sustain him as a human being. Jesus walks into the wilderness to discover something. God is in the wilderness. And in this particular passage, we have Hosea saying to his unfaithful wife and also God saying to his unfaithful people, therefore I, will, I am now going to allure her. I will lead her into the wilderness and speak tenderly to her. We learn from this that part of the Lent journey is that sometimes God allows us to walk into wildernesses, which are a test. But in the midst of this place, there is also a gift to be discovered at the end of the test. Now, I just want to say earlier this year, perhaps uh, in January, as I watched what was happening, particularly in Hubei province and the city of Wuhan, I began to really closely follow this story. As someone who uh, loves the news, loves the world, tries to get my head around global trends, I felt God really focusing me in on this story. In the months before then, um, I'd been reading increasingly and interested in how the world is becoming a global network, how we're all connected to each other. And in one of my journals, what I learned about the global world network is that it is something which is bringing jobs to people. It's lifting many people out of poverty. And so in many ways at this moment, we have these incredible opportunities uh, that are actually presented by our global network. But in one of my journals, as I was taking notes, I wrote, the global network is our biggest strength, but it's also our biggest weakness. That it creates threats. And as I saw what was happening in Wuhan, I began to realize that actually we were going to face a threat as the entire world. One month ago, um, I traveled to Malaysia to speak uh, there. I was at an event with a number of leaders who'd come from around Asia and began to see what was how their churches were being affected. So in a sense, I felt like I got a bit of an early insight to where this was going. 
And as this was happening in the background, I'm also preaching into Lent. And many of the words that our community has gotten through our prayers, through our intercessors, is actually that God wants to see us flourish and bloom at this moment. This has actually been words that have been spoken over our church, which we feel is a renewal, revival message for the church in the world at this moment. You'll see behind me this actual image, uh, if you've never been into our offices, was painted uh, by Tom, who's a fine artist amongst us. And it symbolizes those biblical images of flourishing the grapes and the oil dripping off the grapes, showing that God has something good for His people. And so one of the questions I had as I was walking through Lent is, if the world is moving towards a challenge like this, what is the gift that God wants to give in this moment? How do we actually flourish when it seems like we're heading into a wilderness? How do we move into a time of blessing when actually things seem to be restricting? And as I reflected and I guess was preparing, there's this moment, I don't want to get up and seem alarmist about all of this, but I felt the Holy Spirit speaking a numbers of weeks ago. I said to Daniel, who's currently uh, on our tech desk making so much of this happen, I said, we need to prepare. We need to prepare that we may not be able to meet. So there was two sides of preparation. One was how do we technologically and, and how do we organizationally prepare for this moment to come? But also wanted to ask God, how do we spiritually prepare for this moment? And this coincided with something that I feel God has been speaking to me for years, particularly for the church in the West and the developed world. For many years, God has been speaking to me a message that so many of us live in a time where our biggest battle is actually complacency, comfortability, distraction and entertainment. Where it's not that people are going to be turned away from the church because of persecution. People are worried about that and perhaps what some cultural changes may result in. But really the bigger threat is actually that we are just distracted, amusing ourselves to death, as Neil Postman once said. And what I realized was that actually we were being lulled into a complacency around our faith because challenge. Sure, there was an element when you're just surrounded by endless opportunities and endless options and endless choices where you can fall into a kind of choice anxiety. I recently saw online someone put up a quote from my book in regards to what's going on at the moment. It's quite bizarre to be ministered to by a quote that you've actually written yourself. I've forgotten I wrote this, but in Reappearing Church, I wrote this. The secularist life script is fragile, in which humans attempt to live without having to confront the great questions of life, and this creates an insulation against faith. However, this insulation is not as secure as it may seem. If we endured a global flu pandemic like the one in the early part of the 20th century that killed millions of people across the world, how we view and process our personal potentials and possibilities would be deeply shaken. Your lifestyle, your freedom, your approach to faith and meaning are shaped by large-scale factors, factors which are out of our control which we assume to be stable and secure, but which in reality can change suddenly. The secularist life script is dependent on crucial political, economic and social factors being in place, elements that are becoming fragile, opening a new potential for renewal 
and revival in the West. I have been charting how the world has been changing for the last few years. Seeing the political upheaval, the cultural upheaval, seeing things like climate change, terrorism, polarization in our societies. And in a sense, things seem like they're becoming fragile. But what we're experiencing now is an incredible fragility. Now, when I say that, I'm not saying that I think the whole thing's going to fall apart. I think we will get through this as a society, that we will learn resilience through this. But what this is going to do is it's actually going to pause the world for a period. And what I found quite amazing as I began to reflect on what God was saying in the midst of this is that this Lent, the world is being moved into a mandated Lent. A few weeks ago, I was joking that if this all happens, we're going to all be on an enforced Sabbath, where Sabbath goes from one day a week to seven. And Sabbath at the moment is something that's being rediscovered by lots of people as we live in a high performance society where increasingly demands upon our time are growing. And so many people are feeling a sense of relief where actually you take a day, spend it with God, say no to a bunch of things to actually recuperate and rest. And so I've actually been joking that, hey, it's just going to become Sabbath all the time. It's mandated Sabbath. But actually feel God saying, no, this is not a mandated Sabbath. A Sabbath is one day. This is actually a focusing. This is something where we're returning to one channel. This is a mandated Lent where all of us are being asked to give up things. Australia being not allowed to watch sport. This is unprecedented. We can't look for things in the shop that we're often expecting to be there. The overseas holiday, even now interstate travel, is being questioned in many parts of the world. All of a sudden, all these things which yesterday distracted us, today will no longer distract us. Over the next few weeks and possibly months, this will become more singular. Our lives will slow down. Instead of being people buzzing around the place, we will increasingly become local. The world is changing, literally as we speak, into a new period. Yet we'll still have our phones closed, Instagram will still be operating, and Netflix will probably be downloaded even more. But yesterday's news, yesterday's distractions, yesterday's controversies, yesterday's entertainment will increasingly seem irrelevant, paltry, and even absurd as we walk through this as the world together. So we're being led into a mandated Lent, and we're being led into a mandated wilderness, not just as individuals. The anxiety of yesterday was often individualized. One of the comments around radical individualism is that it made us all suffer alone. Well, that's changing now. We're being pushed back to actually relying on each other as a global community, as nations, as cities, as neighborhoods, even as streets. And in the wilderness, there is a test. What comes in the wilderness and moments like this is when everything stops. We're faced with an existential self-examination. We are moving into a mandated self-examination where we actually have to look at ourselves, check the state of our souls, examine how we live without the usual supports that are there. 
And so many of us are facing that at the moment. If we haven't yet, the new pattern of how we will live over the next weeks and potentially months will force us into that place. Years ago, I used to encourage students when I taught a class at a seminary, which was for students coming out of high school, moving into Bible college. It was this gap year course. And I encouraged them, one of the sort of tests or things I would get them to do was actually spend an entire weekend without devices, without entertainment, not doing anything, actually where they focus upon just simply nothing and listening and quiet. And what I noticed is that people would be forced to encounter themselves. So we're being forced into a mandated self-examination. And what this is happening for the church is the church, all of a sudden, the reorganization that we had to do in our heads this week is we realized that something that we relied on, larger services, actually turned into something which is now a mandated acts rebooting, where the church is being allowed to move back to this stage where no longer can we rely on the big service, the big building, a bunch of people up the front just doing all the stuff. We're actually being led into a mandated acts rebooting. We're actually being called and invited to step back into the theological reality of the priesthood of all believers. Those of you watching this together in a group, there is this invitation now to actually be church. We're all the church, we're the church in different places, but we're actually being called to be the church in these households. And that's where the Holy Spirit first broke out in the book of Acts in an upper room where a group of people the same size as many of you are watching actually had the Holy Spirit fall upon them. And what happened at that moment as the church had the Holy Spirit fall upon them at a house, it's almost like we're being taken back to a DNA level to rebuild. And as the church at that moment in the first century, the people of God actually went back to this granular small group of people is that they were led into a mission. And at the moment, as we face a global challenge, we're being led into a mandated mission. We've had heaps of people texting us, how can I help at this moment? The simplest things now, praying for people, checking on your elderly neighbours, sending bits of bucks, buckets, bits, sending bags of rice to people who may be in quarantine, dropping them off at their front door. All of us now have the opportunity to be on mission. But also what this means is that we're being led into a mandated co-missioning. Church, how it's tended to work, and how this is how it's worked at Red, has often been up the top. You have leadership who give a message, you have staff, then you have your services, which is in a sense this connective tissue between what's happening at the top layers and then what's happening in small groups. But what this crisis is actually doing is removing for a period that middle layer where we gather in larger services. And so what this means is for people like me as a leader, for people on the leadership team at our church, is we actually are handing down and releasing a commissioning to you. We can continue leading from the top 
But in a sense, it's like the coach on the sidelines. Perhaps it's when the coach gets a red card and is put up in the stadium and has got to lead things from the top downwards. And I just want to say at this moment that we, if you're part of Red Church and you are gathering people in your home, we want to commission leadership upon you to be the people of God, to pray for each other. We can't be in all these places. How things are going to go possibly in the next few months is there might be increasing levels of quarantine. And so where you are, you are being commissioned like the early church was to be the people of God. I believe in you. I believe this can be a moment where some of your faith is going to increasingly come alive as God reboots us at a cellular level. I want to be honest, talking to pastors over the last three years, one of the biggest struggles in church has actually been often at that small group or discipleship group level. This stuff has become optional. Uh, we've had groups which we start and we have 20 people in them, but increasingly they fall over because, you know, you have four people up at a time, I had that on, I've got this on. We're now not at that reality. Small groups now are going to become the connective tissue that you need for the next period. Small groups and things like this have gone from church being optional to now they're going to become a necessity. So embrace this, step into this. If you're part of Red Church and you haven't joined into a huddle, I encourage you to. If you're part of a group of people at Red watching this, and perhaps you've got a mate, a brother, a sister, a friend, who perhaps has walked away from church and texting you at this point in time as they face the existential reality of what's going on. This is actually a moment when many pastors are fearing that their church will reduce but as we commission you, I want to invite you into a space where what if this is a moment where God is allowing this so actually the church can expand, but he's handing it over to you to the baton. I can deliver this stuff from here. We can lead from the top, but the baton is being passed to you. And I don't think this is just for this period. I don't think this is just so we do this for a little while and then we go back to normal. God is doing this to reseed things at a granular level ripping off the plaster, off the walls, and actually allowing the framing to be rebuilt, to build something more expansive going forward. And lastly, I believe in the midst of this, that we are being led into a mandated opportunity for renewal and revival. I have had, in the last three years, God put on my heart to go in an opposite spirit to the story that many people are telling of church, particularly in the West. That we're in a moment of decline. We're actually in a moment where things are pulling back and the best we can hope for is just to sort of grin and bear it and perhaps hold on during this time of secularism and, and post-Christianity in the West and many other parts of the world. About three years ago, when I was preaching at a Nunawading congregation at 5 p.m., in the midst of the sermon, God said to me, Mark, at this moment, you can't do anything. This is not going to be smarter sermons. This is not going to be better programs. This is not going to be more awesome graphics. At this moment, Mark, preach my word. Trust in me. Pray and believe that at this moment, I want to do a new thing in the world. Now, I remember not long after that, uh, Trudy and I were driving along a motorway in the UK with our friend Pete Gregg and who's the leader of the 24-7 prayer movement and we're having this conversation about renewal and he said this line, he said, 
Mark, the only thing, we talk about the prospects of renewal and revival in the West. And he said, the thing that's missing is most of those renewals and revivals, many of them had some sort of challenge, some sort of community crisis before them. I remember thinking, man, we haven't got that. Yeah, people are in crisis themselves. And I had this little theory for a little while. Maybe it's the individual crises and they all join together. But what actually if this is that moment? What if in the midst of this, of fear, when people are working out how to lead, just look at how this is playing out for the church. We now need people responding. You now have a moment to be the hands and feet of Jesus. What if this is killing entertainment church right now? And there's all kinds of questions. You've got a bunch of people saying, you know, what does it mean if we all go online? I don't know. But what I do know is that when we rehearsed yesterday, when we tried to work this out for the first time, that we prayed afterwards and there was a fervency in our prayers because we now understand what this is. We cried and got on our knees and cried out to God to be with us. And I said at the end of it, the rehearsal's over, but in more ways than one. This is a moment to step up as individual believers. This is a moment as God is rebooting us at that cellular huddle discipleship group level. This is a moment of challenge where God actually wants to take people who have had a foot in the world and a foot in the the church and actually say, no, I need you all in right now. This is a moment we're actually going to get very narrow and the distractions are gone away where we're taken into the wilderness where God is alluring you and leading you there. Why is he leading us there? He is speaking tenderly to you in this space saying, come back to me in the midst of this. For those who are feeling that you're part of a dynamic of, or sorry, a demographic where your health is a challenge when we have a virus like this coming, Jesus is saying, come home to me. You're not in control, but I am. For those of you who are perhaps going, I'm healthy, I should be okay, but I want to help now, step into that opportunity. For those of you who are leaders in our church, this is a moment for your leadership to actually be accelerated as God will put authority upon you. We've had this mythology in our time of peace of leadership as celebrity and what's that leader wearing and what's their hot take on that and what's their smart opinion on that? What if that's over for the meantime? What if now is actually about the spiritual authority as you serve? We don't need more smarts. We now need service is what we need in the next season. So God wants to expand you as a leader, whether you're someone who's watching this as a pastor, as I know many of you are. We've been one of the first to sort of quickly change our service over at High Speed. I've had lots of uh, text messages from pastors around Australia and England and different places who are like, do we make this jump now? I just want to say to you, if you're listening and you're a pastor, this is, could be the moment where actually God accelerates and deepens your leadership. I believe in the midst of this, that God is disrupting the world He's allowing it to happen and we need to pray for this thing to stop and for it to be held back and for people's lives to be saved. But in the midst of this wilderness experience, there's actually a gift to be grasped. Meaning is found in the battle. This is a moment which we can't miss. One day things will move back to normality. This will pass And at that moment when things return to normality and the football's back on, you can go back to your cafe and schools are open, you can go to the shopping centre and buy something from the Apple store and go to the cinema. At that moment, don't look back in regret and say, I missed the moment where the church was renewed and reborn in the West. 
where the stupid disparity between millennials and boomers, that's disappearing now because actually our boomers out there need us to care for them. And millennials are actually at a moment where you've been derided and made fun of because you're fragile and snowflakes. Well, welcome to the struggle that's actually going to make you resilient and turn you into a generation of leaders and influencers in the world. Goodbye to the fluff. Welcome to the struggle. This is your moment. God wants to do something now. Let's stand. We at Red really believe in the preached word of opening God's scripture, that his word is alive, that it's a double-edged sword. We also had read, believe in the Holy Spirit as well. The Holy Spirit is here and wants to minister to us. We love the word and we love the spirit. At the end of all of our services, we pray the oldest prayer in the church. Come Holy Spirit, not because the spirit is not here or we think that we have to invite the spirit in. Rather, we come to attention that the Spirit is here. And this morning, it's different to when we normally do that in our gathered services at 9 or 11, 15 or 10 or 5. Now we're doing it in homes. Some of you will be doing this in five hours as you watch this. Some of you may be doing this late at night in Europe or in the afternoon somewhere else. But at this moment, what a vision for the Holy Spirit to come into our houses. So let's stand And let's pray that prayer. Come Holy Spirit. If you feel comfortable, reach out your hands where you are. Even if you're watching this on your phone, in your bedroom. Come Holy Spirit. Come Holy Spirit to those who are in isolation right now. Come Holy Spirit to those who are fearful of their own vulnerabilities. Come Holy Spirit to those who are not worried about their physical well-being, but are worried about the economic forecast, their job, the economy. Come Holy Spirit. Come Holy Spirit to those who are asking, Lord, do something different in my life. For those who are asking spiritual questions for the first time in their lives as they realize that the world's stopping for a moment. Come Holy Spirit. Come Holy Spirit at this moment for pastors who all of a sudden are worried that the church is going to disappear Come Holy Spirit. Come Holy Spirit for our medical workers in ER, our doctors, our first responders, our government officials, our prime ministers, our presidents, our premiers. Come Holy Spirit. And at this moment of commissioning, as the Spirit falls here in our little chapel, Father Spirit, fall where? People are watching. What we're going to do now is we're going to move into a time of ministry. Normally how we would do that, it's red, is we'd have people on the sides. We don't have the people on the sides today. We do have a prayer team who are our sort of key intercessors. are going to be sending in text message words. Um, that's how we're going to be doing it um, like we would normally do. And we'll share some of them with you. But again, this is a moment of commissioning. Where you are, let's spend this time in prayer. Encourage you to pray for each other. One thing I just would like to say is the recommendation is not to lay hands on people, but that doesn't mean you can't pray. So if wherever you are, 
let's just move now into a time of prayer. They could be putting your hand up if you want prayer and allowing other people in the room to pray for you. That could just be open prayer. But now we're going to move into a time of the Holy Spirit. We're going to go to that Acts reboot where the Spirit fell in an upper room and turned the world upside down at a moment of challenge. The people of God found the gift in the wilderness. So come Holy Spirit. We're just going to listen to the worship now and allow the Spirit to move as you worship and minister and pray wherever you are.